Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, May 5th. We begin with a look at the impact Canadian sanctions are having on Russia and what the significance of landing on Russia's sanction list is for an individual. We speak with Fen Hampson, a professor from Carleton University, who has discovered that his name is, in fact, now on that Russian sanction list. Next, it's our weekly look at all things Calgary with City Hall reporter Adam McVicker. This week, Adam explains why some heritage buildings in the city might be in jeopardy. He's the best-selling solo artist in music history, and he's on his way to our province for a concert next month in Edmonton. Garth Brooks takes the stage at Commonwealth Stadium on June 25th. We hear from the man himself on the impact the pandemic has had on live music and why he loves the chance to perform in Alberta. And finally, today is Cinco de Mayo. We catch up with Erica Barr from the Calgary Mexican Cultural Society to learn about the significance of the day and why it's much more than mariachis and margaritas. What impact are Canadian sanctions on Russia having and what is the significance of landing on Russia's sanction list? With insight, we are joined by Fen Hampson, Chancellor's Professor at Carleton University and President of the World Refugee and Migration Council, who recently landed on Russia's sanction list. Good morning to you, Professor Hampson. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking the time with us. So the big question, the elephant in the room, Professor, what exactly landed you on Russia's sanction list? Well, um, I don't actually know why. I can speculate why. Uh, I heard that I was on the list by uh, someone else who uh, had been put on the list earlier who sent me uh, a note on LinkedIn and said, guess what, uh, uh, comrade, you've been uh, sanctioned uh, as well. And, uh, you know, I said, well, where does this appear? And uh, it's actually a a website uh, that comes out of the Kremlin. And sure enough, there was my name on number 545 uh, on a list of uh, Canadians, uh, uh, which runs uh, slightly over 600 people, it's probably a bit longer now, uh, that uh, the Russians have uh, have put together. Most, most of them are parliamentarians, uh, members of uh, both uh, the House of Commons and uh, the Senate, uh, senior officials in the government, obviously the uh, entire Canadian cabinet, um, prominent journalists, uh, who've been, uh, you know, particularly columnists who've been critical of Russia, and um, uh, a few uh, academics to uh, probably, uh, you know, dress dress the list up. Professor, we can chuckle a bit at it, but what is the significance of this long list of people who've been added, and and does it concern you at all? Well, it's obviously a little disconcerting because uh, it means you're. You're obviously being watched. Uh, what you say uh, publicly is being watched. Uh, what you do, uh, I suspect it has uh, more to do with being uh, uh, associated with the World Refugee and Migration Council, which has been uh, working with the uh, Ukraine community in Canada. We've been uh, very active sponsors um, uh, of uh, new legislation uh, uh, to amend the special uh, Emergency uh, Measures Act, which has been uh, the basis for uh, Canada sanctioning Russians, and um, uh, we've been, uh, you know, champions of uh, the idea: don't just freeze uh, uh, assets of uh, of Russians, 
that are in Canada, the Russian oligarchs who have been doing business in Canada, but uh, the government should also seize them, repurpose them to uh, to help uh, the uh, Ukrainians mm. who've been uh, forcibly displaced uh, to help with the reconstruction. So I suspect it has more to do with that than, you know, what I'm saying and, and doing in the classroom. You mentioned, you know, maybe a different way we should use these sanctions when it comes to the Russian oligarchs themselves. But I'm wondering, in general and in broad terms, do we have any idea of the impact of the sanctions that Canada's put on Russia? Are, are they having a positive effect? Our actions um, in combination with other uh, key G7 countries, with uh, the European Union, are definitely uh, having uh, a major impact on, uh, on the Russian economy. Uh, and, but, you know, uh, it's ordinary Russians who generally uh, pay the price when you impose uh, uh, economic sanctions. And I think the whole idea of Magnitsky legislation, SEMA legislation, uh, is, uh, you know, to make the elites pay, uh, to make Putin himself pay. Uh, a lot of the oligarchs are, um, uh, you know, running shell companies uh, because he's very wealthy himself. Um, he's enriched himself at the expense of uh, the Russian people. Um, so, uh, you know, they're investing his money uh, abroad. And, and so I think, um, you know, these kinds of sanctions, which really um, hit hard in the pocketbook, and which I think importantly go beyond, you know, freezing, because freezing uh, those assets at some point can be unfrozen. Uh, you know, it's intended to kind of sanction uh, uh, the elites uh, and, uh, you know, if they behave themselves, uh, they get their money back. Well, I think uh, we've crossed a Rubicon there. I mean, there, there's no way one can say that Russia, given its actions in Ukraine, um, major loss of life uh, that's been taking place, uh, the destruction of another country, um, uh, you know, with the goal of trying to uh, acquire it, um, you know, they need to be punished, and, and that's very much the idea behind, uh, um, you know, those of us who've been saying, don't just freeze, also seize, and, and put that money to good purpose mm-hmm. for the reconstruction of Ukraine. Fenn, you're a professor at Carleton University in Ottawa, but you're also president of the World Refugee and Migration Council. What challenges do you see, do you hear, that countries are facing in helping Ukrainian refugees relocate, and, and Canada specifically, I guess? It's the neighboring countries who are bearing uh, the brunt of the uh, population exodus. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, they're, they're reeling. Um, uh, a lot of uh, those who have been forcibly displaced uh, are women and children because uh, the men uh, are staying uh, behind to, uh, to fight. In fact, uh, if you're an able-bodied uh, male, uh, you're pretty much required to, uh, uh, to stay behind in, in Ukraine to defend the country. We're talking about uh, somewhere between four and five million people. The numbers may actually be greater. Uh, a lot of them are in Poland, but uh, uh, they're also in, in other uh, European uh, neighboring countries. And um, they're, they're having a, a very tough time uh, dealing with you know, what, what is obviously a major humanitarian emergency. Um, what we're hearing, quite frankly, is that... Um, Canada's not doing as much as uh, other countries would like to see us doing. We've been, you know, pretty slow off the mark when it comes to um, 
helping bring, bring uh, Ukraine people to uh, to Canada who uh, might be here temporarily. Um, you know, we we are uh, an ocean away, uh, but I think there's a, a strong sense that um, you know, given Canada's ties, historical ties with Ukraine, the fact that we have well over a million. Uh, Canadians of Ukraine heritage that we should be doing uh, a lot more, doing it a lot more quickly, too. Great points, great insight. Thank you for your time, Professor. We appreciate it. My pleasure. That is Fen Hampson, Chancellor's Professor, Carleton University, and President of the World Refugee and Migration Council. Some heritage buildings in Calgary might be at risk. And NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman was in town for Game 1 of the Calgary Flames playoff series and says NHL events will not be coming to the Saddle Dome. With all the details, we turn to Global News City Hall reporter Adam McVicker. Heritage Calgary is hoping to raise awareness of pieces of Calgary history that could be at risk. The organization is using social media to highlight seven sites that are on the inventory of evaluated historic resources that are potentially at risk either to abandonment or redevelopment. CEO Josh Traptow says when the economy starts to heat up, that's when the risk increases. Just seeing, you know, more development in Calgary as things kind of start to get back in that that boom cycle. Uh, typically in boom cycles, we see more uh, heritage at risk of being demolished. The list includes Tuxedo Park School, the Condon Building, and the former Education Centre. Traptow hopes council will adopt tax credits and increased grants as part of the upcoming four-year budget process to encourage the preservation of such buildings. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman was in Calgary on Wednesday meeting with Flames ownership, a meeting he says would include an update on where things are in terms of replacing the aging Saddle Dome. At a press conference on Tuesday night, Bettman said Calgary won't be able to host big NHL events like the draft or all-star game unless a new arena is built. If we're going to hold a league, any league events here, there needs to be a new building. But the commissioner says he's hopeful and optimistic both sides can make progress to get an event center done. Encouraging words for Sonia Sharp, the councillor heading up a new committee aimed at restarting the arena project. Well, I mean, I wasn't surprised by any of the comments, but, um, you know, optimistic and also, you know, grateful that, you know, we are talking about it at the NHL level and seeing that we want some progress there as well. The city of Calgary says it's working with an unnamed third party to help restart talks with the Flames. Moshe Lander with the economics department at Concordia University says this year's playoff run could bolster the bottom line of Flames ownership and help with some of those costs. This is the year then where they can make back some of that money and that might help them to maybe kind of bridge the gap a little bit that uh, that opened up six months ago. The deal between the city and the Flames to build a new arena officially came to an end in December over certain costs and who pays for them. The next public update on ongoing work into a Calgary event center is expected on May 25th, the next meeting of the event center committee. Calgary police and the city are reminding people to have a good time, but to be respectful cheering on the Flames in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 17th Avenue will not be closed to traffic and people are being asked to stay off the road. But police say they will shut down streets if they need to. Police say incessant honking won't be tolerated and could net you a fine of $300. There are also fines for drinking and smoking in public as well as mischief. Here's advice from Inspector Claire Smart with the Calgary Police Service. We'd really like to see the citizens and the Calgary Calgary Flames fans to have fun, to to celebrate, to enjoy, have a, have a great time, but a safe time, and also be respectful of one another. And uh, go Flames, go.
Parking will also be at a premium around 17th Avenue and the Dome. There is no parking on home game nights on the Red Mile. The advice is to plan ahead on a spot to park, and if you can, opt for transit. Mayor Jody Gondek also echoing the urge for respect. I would say to Calgarians, get involved, get into the spirit, go out and celebrate. Um, but do so by being mindful and respectful of the people that are in the neighborhoods where you're enjoying yourselves. The Flames take on the Dallas Stars for Game 2 on Thursday night. For these stories and more, you can head to globalnews.ca slash Calgary. Reporting from City Hall, Adam McVicker, Global News. Wow, lots going on in this city. Yeah, will you go down to the Red Lot? I, yeah, if I have the opportunity. If I think I, have I might. As, as the Flames get deeper, and I believe they will go yeah. deeper into the playoffs, I think I might go check it out on a weekend night. I'm not really one for big crowds, but I think that yeah. would be a, a fun experience. And I'm still not dialed in, and I guess I should do some digging. Maybe our Dave McIver knows as far as what the treatment will be when they're out of town. Mm-hmm. Because I know that the Red Lot is just rocking and rolling. It, it will tonight. Games, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That puck drop tonight is at 8 o'clock. More with Dave as to what we can't anticipate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big deal. Also kind of a big deal in a few minutes. We're going to hear the thoughts of one Garth Brooks. I am not normally a huge country music fan, but I'm on Garth Brooks' Twitter feed, a Twitter account. And he tweets every time he's going to a city, he tweets that he's coming, and then he thanks them afterwards. Yeah. He just seems to be one of those, like for the superstar that he is, just a real down-home kind of guy. Puts the work in. Yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't have to, but maybe that's why he is Garth Brooks. Maybe so. Some incredible stuff here that I'm reading. And it, this is this is crazy. He remains the number one selling solo artist in US history. Not wow. not just country. Certified by the Recording Industry Association of America, one hundred fifty seven million album sales. And he's the only artist in history to receive nine diamond awards for the now uh, nine albums certified at over ten million. Now here's the stat that really got me. Get this. In twenty seventeen Garth finished a three-and-a-half-year-long Garth Brooks World Tour with Trisha Yearwood. That's what it was called. His lovely wife. Yep. The tour sold over 6.3 million tickets. It makes it the biggest North American tour in history. Wow. Like, whatever he does. Wow. He's and, massive. Yeah. And you know what? They use the, the hashtag Garthquake anytime they post about his shows because I guess it is just rowdy and ruckus and everybody has a grand old time. Well, he's going to Edmonton. And our own Tiffany Lise, Global News Meteorologist, had a chance to sit down and chat with him. We'll hear that coming up in a couple. Music of Garth Brooks said, get this, this week, Garth Brooks' show in Louisiana registered a small earthquake from fans dancing what? actually yeah that's apparently and they're using the hashtag now hashtag garthquake <laughs> now uh brooks is bringing his stadium tour to edmonton for his only canadian stop global calgary's tiffany lise had the chance to speak with garth earlier this morning yeah we're, we started the stadium tour in 19 and with the pandemic it has stopped and started again but it was always supposed to close uh this year so we're coming to an end but we had to get up north before it was over. Just It's just too many good times there, too many great memories there between Calgary and Edmonton uh, that you, there's no way you're going to do a stadium tour without stopping in there. You know, when people go, why do you come to Canada? And the answer is simple, because I've been there, right? That's the greatest compliment you can pay. I want to come back for more of what I've got. So, you know, let's, let's take Calgary. We did the 100th anniversary. Uh, you know, of uh, there at the Saddle Dome 
Um, and, and it's just uh, the rodeo there. And then, you know, you come through Edmonton and, and you're lucky enough to put together a string of nights last time. And now to think to take all those people and put them in one place at one time, get ready. The earthquake, the earthquake could, could become a normal <laughs> thing, man. I, I'm so excited. What does it mean to you after all this time to have some of the most loyal, diehard fans? Well, that's country music, man. You just described the country music fan right there. They'll stick with you through rain, through shine, through pandemic, right? <laughs> and they still come out. They're so sweet. And and then, you know, the, the thing is, I, you can talk about the, the five decades kind of thing, but the truth is I don't think it's got anything to do with the artist. If I had my choice and people go, why? It would be because of the music, man. That's That's the fun part of all of this. Wow. He sounds like he really honestly sounds like he has fun when he talks about his concerts. Well, and if it's an act, boy, he's a he's master good at it. showman because yeah. he does give you that authenticity like you're talking to your best buddy. Yeah. Um, to his point, at Commonwealth, I've been lucky enough to see, uh, I saw the Rolling Stones, Voodoo Lounge back in, I believe, 92, 93. Well, maybe 94. I'm dating myself. But also, just a, a few short years ago, I saw Beyonce. She was up in Commonwealth. At Commonwealth. Yeah. And... Um, they didn't really fill it for that, but I think it was a combination of prices were high and it was raining. Uh, so, um, you know, rain or shine, Garth. Was that before the they had the arena? Yeah, well, yeah, I think it was. I yeah, say yeah. why in the world. Would... On the cusp or for whatever reason, let's do Commonwealth. So they like it. It's considerably bigger than McMahon Stadium. And I'm guessing it's got to be. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, is that right? I believe for Garth, the yeah. The 6th. I'm guaranteeing it'll sell out in 15 oh, seconds. Oh, in a heartbeat. Did you say you saw him unplugged when he was here last time? Not unplugged. I saw him at the Dome. Yeah, I mean, it was... was, I don't it, think it was he, when he did all those tours, they were not unplugged? I, I don't, don't know why I was thinking. Gee, I don't think he was, uh, you know, to be honest with you. I, and again, I don't know all of his songs. I'm not the biggest Garth Brooks fan in the world. I'm a country music fan. Um, but newer country music, he has crossed over. And it's, it, it is, and I mean, we're not... Putting shine on him, he's basically the Elvis of country music. You have to say well, that. Yeah, really. Because it's of, a, because that of the records, the records sure. are there, right? And, um, and he, I think even sometimes when you're not really a fan necessarily of the artist or the genre, but when they can put on a killer the show, musicianship, it is well yeah. worth it. Like I'm not a country music person at all. I saw Keith Urban at the Saddle Dome a bunch of years back. He actually dripped sweat right on me. And I was that close to him at one point. And I thought he was fantastic. He can play a guitar like nobody's business. He's fun to watch. So, yeah. I mean, you, you know, if, if you even remotely think Garth Brooks would be good, I bet you that this show is a thousand times better than what you think. Yeah, absolutely. In the theatrics, he puts on yeah, a yeah. show and he knows his fans and he knows who he is. Yes, indeed. 8.51. It's Cinco de Mayo. And with details on the cultural significance of this Mexican holiday, we are joined by Erica Barr, volunteer with Calgary Mexican-Canadian Cultural Society. Good morning to you, Erica. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for taking some time uh, with us. When we think Cinco de Mayo sometimes in Calgary, we think about, you know, eating some incredible cuisine, maybe enjoying some tequila or a Mexican beer, uh, but there's much more to it, isn't there? So can you tell us what Cinco de Mayo is? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and of course, everybody thinks uh, Cinco de Mayo is synonymous of a party or a fiesta, right? We associate it with music and, and culture, and of course, margaritas and mariachi. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's more than that. It has a long history. And a um, um, couple of things I want to mention it to you that I think they're very interesting. First, many people believe that Cinco de Mayo 
would be the equivalent of the celebration of the 4th of July in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not. It has been mistaken for the Mexican Independence Day. Our Independence Day uh, from Spain is on September 16th. And actually, that's a very important celebration for Mexicans. So this Cinco de Mayo is what we celebrate as a Battle of Puebla Day, or Cinco de Mayo. Okay. Which was a battle in Mexico in, um, in the 1862, and it was a battle uh, against the French. What else did you want to share with us, Erica, that we might not understand completely about Cinco de Mayo? Well, Cinco de Mayo is, uh, it was very important. It is very important for the Mexicans because what it means is like we defeated the French at that time when the French army was the best in the world. They outnumbered the Mexicans, but even though the Mexicans win that battle. So it gave us a, a, this um, boost of energy and pride and telling us like we could defeat anything right so um that was a, what it was just a, a very um a, a pride for the mexicans and nowadays nowadays what it is is more about the heritage mm-hmm. and the culture that we have we can show to the world very very good thanks for sharing the message much more than just mariachis and margaritas i appreciate that erica uh, happy cinco de mayo to you it is happy cinco de mayo enjoy it you thank you thank you so much take Perfect. care Erica Barr, volunteer with Calgary Mexican Canadian Cultural Society. You can find out more at holacalgary.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.